Welcome to the Redefining Wealth podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I sit down with life strategist and award-winning author Sherry Riley, who says that relationships don't have to be equal, but they must be reciprocal. Hey there, it's Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. So first of all, I have to thank you so much. I know just the other week I was saying, hey, we hit 5,000 downloads. Guess what, guys? We're at almost 10,000 downloads, and that's all because of you and your support. So if you're new to Redefining Wealth, you should go ahead and click subscribe right now because I'm going to guarantee that you want to stick around this community. We are all about redefining wealth, which means for us, wealth is not just about money and material possessions. Wealth is about well-being. That's the true definition. And one of the areas or pillars that we focus on around here is relationships And that's why I'm so glad to share this interview with you today because one of the people who has given me advice over the years and just really poured into my heart and my spirit at the times where I wanted to quit, and I've done the same for her at the times that she wanted to quit, is here today. Like I had a chance to sit down and sync our calendars and schedule this time. And it's really just two girlfriends that are talking. And this is what happens every time we talk. First of all, it always goes over the time. We have literally been late to pick up our kids from school. (laughs) That's how you know you're lost in great conversation with a great girlfriend. And so this one is a little longer than I've done so far, but definitely by far just one of those phenomenal opportunities to sit down and have girlfriend chat and pour into each other. And there has not been a time when I have spoken to Sherry Riley, and I didn't have to like take notes in my phone or start to write in my journal. There hasn't been a time when I didn't have these deep aha moments or facepalm moments. You know that, okay, I got to get my life together (laughs) after talking to someone. And the cold part about it is she's always so calm. And her whole thing is about peace is the new success. But let me tell you, she never gets turned up. It doesn't matter how turned you are how dialed up you are when you call her. She is so soothing, so calm. And today you get to just hear how it goes down. These are our normal conversations. So I'm going to read her bio. And then the next thing that you hear will be a phenomenal interview with myself and Sherry Riley. So Sherry is a wife, mother, daughter, and entrepreneur. And we all know that that is not easy, but she has figured out how to make it simple. As a trendsetter in the entertainment industry, she spent 20 years creating innovative marketing strategies for some of the world's biggest celebrities and corporations. This list includes Usher, TLC, Converse, NBA, TNT, and many more. Now, as an empowerment speaker, life strategist, and author, she works with celebrities, athletes, entrepreneurs, corporate executives, and all-around busy individuals like you and I to make choices that lead to less stress, better clarity, and a more fulfilling life. She speaks around the world, sharing her message of peace is the new success. Her award-winning book, Exponential Living, Stop Spending 100% of Your Time on 10% of Who You Are, was published by Penguin Random House, and it's the guide to help high achievers integrate their personal desires into their life without detriment to their professional achievement. 
I give you my good girlfriend, Sherry Riley. So excited. I'm like a little giddy schoolgirl right now. Like, I am so excited to talk to my good girlfriend, Sherry Riley. Sherry, super excited to have you on the Redefining Wealth podcast. Welcome. Hello, my sister. It's so good to be here. I actually this morning woke up like, oh, today is my day with Patrice. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the deal. We have to let you guys know. I know a lot of people say, oh, this is my good friend. This is my good friend because it sounds really good, right? In the podcast world or the interview world to make everyone your good friend. But let me tell you, this is legit like my good friend. And you know it's real when your husbands are the ones who have to hook you up, right? Like (laughs) (laughs) Sherry several years ago. How long has it been, Sherry? Like five years? Um yeah, I was gonna say our babies were like five, six. Yeah, and they're ten now. Yeah. So we have little girls that are same age who have played together and all of that. And we met First, because my husband met Sherry and literally came home. I guess it was a networking event or some type of event. And he's like, you have to meet this lady. I just I just feel like you guys would be really good friends. And I'm like, oh, OK, so now you putting me on a play date. Like, <laughs> I put you on play dates. That's what we're doing. And then we kept kind of what missing each other, trying to connect via email, saying that we would meet up. And both of us were traveling, kept missing each other. Yes. Yeah. And then I end up. At the hair salon, yeah, <laughs> all places. I think who was under the dryer, me or you? I was under the dryer. You're under the dryer. I'm walking, about to get my hair done, and we look at each other like, "I'm sorry. Do I? Do I know you? Is your <laughs> name? Are you? Wait a minute. I think we. <laughs> <laughs> and what was it? Maybe like several months to a year that we have been, oh, we're going to get together. Yeah, it would be great. And then, you know, time goes by how life happens. But let me tell you, meeting Sherry Riley, meeting you, my dear, has been one of the greatest blessings in my life. Like, I am not lying when I tell you that I was so pumped up this morning knowing that I was going to get to talk to you. Because you are one of those people. It's like every time we got together, whether we met with our girls at Chick-fil-A right. or you came and sat on a little lawn chair in my garage and we watched the kids <laughs> play outside or we meet anywhere in the country, all around the country, whatever it is, no matter where we are and we get together, it's like we- our lives are just like in such alignment. Like we're just having very similar experiences and working out different things in life. And you were just always one of those people who I can count on to be real, to be genuine, to be authentic, and to give me good advice. And this week, actually, we put up a new video which is about how to spot bad advice. (laughs) (laughs) Like when do people really just mean you no good? Even if they had great intentions, they're just not the ones. But that has nothing to do with you because you are one of those people that I will go to over and over again for good advice. And it just so happens the last time you had to like get me together, get my life all the way together, I just happened to catch you when you were in the airport waiting to get on the plane and you had gotten there early. And that yes. was like jackpot. <laughs> and, and the flight was delayed. So I got there early. Flight was delayed. And we had the most remarkable conversation. I'm talking four pages of notes. 
remarkable. I sat there literally taking notes. And so really get ready for what you're about to hear, because Sherry, you also, when I was a part of your book launch team for Exponential Living at the beginning of the year, we did a call together for my audience, um, for the women in my audience in particular. And do you know to this day that you are the most downloaded call I have ever had from the time, not only were there about eight, 900 people on live in that moment, like more than 2000 downloads since January on that call. And I believe it's people who are like, "Uh uh-uh, let me go back. I got to hear that again. (laughs) I believe that there are people who are just like, I got to get some more of that. Yeah. And what's so amazing about that is I still to this day get emails or get hit on social media from people who was on that call, like people from your tribe that was on that call was like, I heard you in your conversation with Patrice. And and then they go into whatever that (laughs) is. And that was what, January of this year when we did that call? Yes. January of this year. And it is still most downloaded. Most I can't even I don't have the heart to move the link. I don't have the heart to take it off. I'm like, somebody's going to email me and curse me out if I move this anywhere. <laughs> you know, I've relaunched all this stuff. I'm like, no, no, not Sherry's call. <laughs> I can take the rest of these down, but not Sherry's call. That link needs to remain because there are tons of women who are out there. I'm sure some guys, too, but really primarily women out there who were really getting their lives and. I was so blessed to just be able to let them in on our normal girlfriend girlfriend conversation. Like that's just how we talk. Like this this is what you get. Exactly. Even when there's nothing rolling, these are the conversations we have. And so I'm so super proud of you. I know you just got an award too. Yes. Um Exponential Living just won the African American Literary Award Self Help Book of the Year. And That in and of itself is such an honor, but what makes it even sweeter is the level of talent that was in the category that I so respect. I mean, John Gray III has a show on OWN who is a mountain mover, right? Denine Miller, who has written both of Steve's books, and she is a New York Times bestseller. Kiki Palmer, who I've loved since she was doing the the movies back in the day. Akila and the Bee. Yes, (laughs) Akila and the Bee. And Valerie Burton, who has written like nine books. I just, I think she's amazing. I follow her. And then me. So it was such an honor because I feel like those are rock stars in this war in this literary world. Yes. So it won self-help book of the year from the African American Literary Awards. And that was just such an honor. Very humbling. Very, very humbling. But I'm I'm so grateful that the work is making the impact. Well, and I was there with you in June when you won the great girlfriend. <laughs> Great yes. Girlfriend of the Year award. Yes. Like I'm like Sherry is not playing. Sherry is not playing. But you know why it makes me so happy, and I'm so thrilled that I get to witness uh, all these blessings that you're undergoing. Because, like I said, you guys, we're real friends, and so there's so many conversations that we've had about exponential living. And Sherry, even when I didn't know what to call it about redefining wealth, you know, like when you really think about it, so much of what we're doing today are like really just the things that have been marinating for years. Like we've been working and working and figuring it out. And 
it just makes me so happy to see you walking in this light and getting the recognition that you so deserve. You so deserve every award, every accolade, every piece of acknowledgement that you're receiving. It is completely deserved because I know how hard you worked on that book proposal. Yes. I know how many times we talked about it. Oh my God. <laughs> when you helped pray me through, like, come on, sis, you can do this. I mean, guys, because like Patrice had already put out three books when I was still working on my first book. And so I would call her with the desperation of, okay, when do you find the time to do this? Like, I mean, you don't, I don't even know if I've even told you this, but you were such my inspiration because I'm like, okay, again, our lives are so parallel, married, we had our daughter, we had, at that time we were both, I had my company and you were working and you had your business. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. She's writing books. You can do this. Like you can do this. And sometimes I would just call you just to hear your voice because I just needed that stability of knowing here's someone who can not only appreciate my journey, but she's authentic and she's real and she's true and we can laugh. And if I cry, she's going to be like, girl, get it out and just keep moving. And I mean, you were such an inspiration for me that, you know what, I can do this because that was many times I wanted to quit. Listen, you know how that is. Welcome to the club. There are many times where you've talked me off a ledge or two or three or 10. So, um, you know, (laughs) the respect and the admiration is mutual. So with the whole redefining wealth concept, you know, I'm all about chase purpose, not money. And we both know that we live in a society where we're just taught to hustle and grind and that the more things you check off the list, because Sherry and I were both list checkers, right? Like, like, and then make a new list for your last list, you know, and then you set some new goals and get another list. But we, we live in a society that says the more you check things off the list, the happier you'll become. And I just want to start with the introduction of Exponential Living. This book, I mean, when you sent me the draft, before we even got the book, book, you sent me the interior. I was like, man, this is it. Wait a minute. Can I tell on you? So Patrice called me and was like, oh, I cannot believe you sent me a PDF. I cannot underline a PDF. Like, I need this book. (laughs) (laughs) Is because I'm old school. I like to highlight. I like to underline. I like to dog ear. You should see how the book that I have now, though, how it is. When you come to my house, when you come to LA, girl, come look at this book. It's so it's so raggedy because it's so good. That's when you know a book is good. I don't like for my book to look crisp and clean at your house. If right. it, if it does, it needs to be the second copy. Right. You know. Right. Brought to friends, and then this is the one that you really get into. Like that that PDF was cute. It was nice, but I was real mad because I really, I mean, from the first piece of it, like getting into the introduction, which is where I want to start, because you said in the introduction, how could you possibly feel so empty when your life is so full? Yes. And I know so many of us identify with that because we are living in the land of busy to be busy to be busy. And yet we feel empty and alone. So Can you talk about why you said that and then what motivated you to finally write Exponential Living? Well, that was my truth. And it was also the truth of so many amazing people that I had the pleasure of working with, being friends with. Many of them were household names. Many of them were extremely successful when you looked at them on paper. But in our private, intimate conversations, 
everything about them was empty. And I kept looking at this over and over and over, like how can so many of us have these great external lives, the cars, the travel, the money, the access, the relationships, even the families, but feel so empty. And I realized that, like I say, so many of us were spending 100% of our time on 10% of who we are. So we have this massive career or this massive life, but it only represents a small portion of who we are. But the biggest challenge, Patrice, is no one had the answer on what to do about it. And so they just pursued another career. They changed jobs. They went after another job title. They bought another purse. They got a bigger car. They got excited about being on a G4, whatever they felt like they needed. But the reality is they were still just existing in that 10%. And so I just went on this mission of, I have to answer this question. Like for me first, and if it helps anyone else, fine. But at the end of the day, how do I get out of this 10%? How do I live 100% of who I am? And that's what the drive was. Because as I started, the, the funny thing is, as I started uncovering the truth, like discovering what I needed to do, and a lot of my friends and colleagues would call me and just be like, okay, girl, like, you know, I got all these big house and it, you know, I got all these purses and I got these shoes but I'm not happy. What what do I do about it? And I would just (laughs) share with them what I was doing or we'd have weekly calls. And it was just, you know, one-on-one time where we were just talking about life and I would share with them what I was learning and it started working for them, like really, really working for them. And that's when I knew like, this is bigger than just me and mine. I would literally be doing the world a disservice if I didn't share it. And when some, you know, really close friends made some, you know, decisions that were devastating, I knew I had to to write this in a book and, and get it out to the world. Yeah. Man, Sherry, I just love that. And the hundred percent of your time on 10% of who you are. I don't remember exactly when you first said that to me, but I know around the time that we first met, you were already talking about you know, exponential living and talking about some of these things. And I remember being in my car like, man, Sherry's deep. (laughs) (laughs) I was driving home really marinating on that thing. Like, (laughs) man, Sherry is deep. 100% of your time on 10% of who you are. And I know for you, the people in your life, you know, those relationships matter so much. And the people, people is a big pillar for us in redefining wealth. And it's about creating relationships that matter. And I know you and I talked about when I wanted to take a step back and focus on Reagan. Uh, You know, when I told you I was trying to coach the kids basketball team and all, (laughs) I was training and all kind of stuff because I just really felt like I was spending so much of my time on becoming the money maven. And I mean, one of the things that you say in the book is that for people who are like high achievers like us, we set these big goals and then we don't even realize when we've hit the goal. We don't even realize it. We don't even realize we've hit the goal. But then the flip side of that is we're still kind of chasing that or adding more checklists and more to-do lists or more things that we, we have to hit in order to be happy. And then the relationships in our lives suffer. One of the quotes that I love the most in the book is... What people we love want the most 
is not things, money, privilege, or paid bills. It's our time, our attention, and our presence. And you say that time and attention are the currency of the soul. Can you kind of just talk more about that? Because I really believe that the more we focus on the people in our lives, our friends, our family, just building relationships, that does get us closer to wealth. It does get us closer to what we say we want, but it's so overlooked. Oh my gosh. And the, the tricky part is we, we've convinced ourselves that we're doing all this for them. And we really are, but we miss the most important part is our being present with them. And, and I still, I work on this every day because, you know, we do have these big goals and we have these dreams and we want our children and our mates to be proud of us. And, and so we, 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 work at it every day to reach the goal. But every day we have to be conscious, are you missing the real element of success? Like the goal is there, whatever that external achievement is. Mm-hmm. But you're doing all that for the person that you're missing out on the most with your time. And and my daughter honestly taught me this. Like she taught me the value of being present not just in her presence, right? Just really being present, no phone, no distractions. And it's been, it's honestly helped me be better in every other area of my life because now, you know how we do, we sit on our computer, we have the phone on mute, right? While we have the conference call going, we're checking emails. And then on our iPad, we have the Facebook status we working on. And when somebody calls our name on the conference call, we unmute. Yes, that's what I said. And put them back on while we check an email, (laughs) while we update an Instagram, while we do the Instagram live, you know, and so we're not present in any of that. Yeah. And what happens is the creativity is stifled. The innovative thinking is stifled. The enjoyment is stifled because we're just bouncing from one thing to the other. And so I've actually found when I commit to really being present, I mean, like right now, I am really present with you. My phone is somewhere else on the other side of the the room because I don't even want to get distracted by it. There's nothing else going on but this conversation with you. And so what I found is my productivity has increased because my creativity increases, my innovative thinking increases, and I get more en- more enjoyment. And then when we finish, it's going to be 100% about my family, 100%, nothing else. But we're so afraid of really, really focusing in because we think, well, what will I miss? You're not going to miss anything. FOMO, fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. <laughs> But that value, and, and I learned that with my, my daughter, I, I, you know the story and I'll share it quickly, but she had a lacrosse game and I was on the phone, you know, for like the first quarter of her game. But I, you know, I had my hair, head buds in so I could see everything, but I, she saw me on my phone. And when the game was over, she said, mommy, I can't believe you were on the phone for my first ever lacrosse game. And that broke my heart. It broke my heart because in my mind, it was enough for me to just be there. But for her, she's like, but you weren't present. Your presence was not enough. You need to be present. And ever since that moment, four years ago, I'm present in everything, friendships, relationships, 
business relationships, my, my everything. And it has made such a difference. So what does being present look like for you in kind of different relationships? Because sometimes, you know, I did a video, three bonus benefits of taking a step back. And I talked about how same thing. I felt like I work from home. They know I'm here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm present. And we had to have a few come to Jesus talks, uh, both myself and my husband and with my daughter about the fact that I was present, but I wasn't present. And that was sobering. And that really made me reevaluate, like what matters the most to you? What good is money? What good is this money maven brand? What good is this success? Like, because I don't want to be a a public success and a private failure. I have no desire to be that, but I see how it happens and I see how you can get there. It's very subtle because we make excuses, right? Like, well, I'm here, you know, so we justify. Very, very subtle. Yes. It's so subtle. Subtle. But what does that look like? for even business relationships? How do you become more present in your business relationships or in your career? Well, what I have found, the easiest one is what I laugh about all the time is like right now, don't be on this call, don't record this podcast and have your phone here doing an Instagram live photo, right? Just put the phone down. Um, Come on, like we're recording. <laughs> right, I'm here recording. This is the PCW. <laughs> yeah. Me I'm talking in this silence. <laughs> but in the in my business relationships, I'm more intentional now about saying yes. Because I'm more respectful now of the time that we spend together. So I would just say yes randomly to any and everybody because I wanted, you know, I'll meet with you and I'll meet with you, I'll meet with you. And the reality is I wasn't supposed to take all those meetings and I was robbing them. They was robbed. We were robbing each other because I wasn't really present. They wasn't really present, but we could mark it off that we met. Uh, Right. We can mark it off that we met. And you know what? I feel like that's what relationships have dwindled down to, which is why I'm like, like trying to go back to making relationships and building relationships a priority because that's what it's dwindled down to. Like people will reach out to me and want to meet or ask me about mentoring them or, you know, could, could they have 10 minutes of my time? And then I get on the phone and they have nothing to say. Well, that's rude. Right. <laughs> like I'm investing this 10 minutes or 15 minutes of time and then you haven't done research. You're talking about, so tell me what you do. No, ma'am, you can Google that. Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, exactly. but it's something to check off the list and we're doing each other a disservice. Yeah, that's good. We're doing each other a disservice just to check it off the list. So now I'm more discerning. So to your point about like that mentee mentor kind of dialogue, I really assess. Let's really talk about that. What What is the first step of that? Well, the first step is what do you want to talk about? And if they go, oh, I don't know. I just want to meet with you. Well, that's where we start. We need to be more clear on what that means, because when I say be present, If I'm not present in that moment, I don't even hear that they don't really have a clue yet because I'm just like, okay, let's let's set it up. And then honestly, they may get lost in my email because we really didn't define anything because I wasn't present in the moment. They weren't present in the moment. And now we just got this open ended clutter in your email, clutter on your calendar versus now if I meet someone, I'm very present with them. What I have found just even recently, sometimes I can answer exactly what they want in that moment because I'm present. 
and I can really hear their question right then and there. We answer it and we're good versus playing phone tag, email tag, trying to set up a meeting, finally set up a meeting. We end up, you see what I'm saying? It happened in 10, five minutes right then and there. And then in existing relationships, really honing in on what matters with that other person, right? So like with you, when I call you or text you, I want to know how you're doing because that's what matters to you and I, right? That's what matters. So I'm very intentional about being present with the people. Where do they, where can I be of service to them? Where does it matter? And then in new relationships, I want to be very intentional on what specifically do I need from them and how can I be of service to them? Mm -hmm. I never end a call without saying, okay, well, how can I be of service to you? Sherry, that right there is a game changer. Like if we, if more people just took the time to say that, do that, like live in that, they would get so much closer to what it is they say they want for their lives. And again, we're just kind of groomed to like, take, 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 take. Like, what can I get? What can I get? Can I pick your brain? What can, what resources can I suck you for? You know, like what resources can I suck dry from you as opposed to, okay. And how can I support you? Right. How can I also support you? Is there anything that I can do to support you? I'm telling you when somebody hits me with that, I'm like, oh, okay, well we might actually be on to something like, like, because now this is, it's a fair exchange. Like it's a mutually beneficial relationship. And there's only so many relationships that you can handle where there's never any exchange, you know, it's just a, a, a taking of my time with nothing and I'm, I don't want to make it sound like that because I believe in being of service, you know, and I believe that, like you'd say, that giving is an energy source. So I'm big on giving, but I don't like takers. And you know what? I This is what I have discovered in this last 18 months. And it really goes to that conversation we had when I was in the airport is that I've really realized that relationships, friendships are never going to be equal but they always have to be reciprocal. Mm, that's in my name. Yes. <laughs> like you, and we had this conversation, you and I give in a different way. We receive in a different way, right? But it's always been reciprocal. And so if so many of us from a business standpoint, from a personal relationship standpoint, if we understood that it's not about being equal, but it is about being reciprocal, that would change the game. That would so change the game because there's so many business relations and it's helped me because there were so many business relationships that honestly, I had an expectation in the relationship that was equal. But when I realized, no, it's been reciprocal all along, but the way I do what I do and the way they do what they do is very different, but it is reciprocal. That right there will help so many people, one, be present because they won't be thinking, okay, what am I going to get? What am I going to get? When you know, okay, this is reciprocal. Or if they're present with the mindset of, okay, now that they've given to me, how can I be of service to them? And a great example, the day I had a call with a woman, someone connected us and she's an author. She's written many, many, many books. She is a seasoned author. Like, this is how she lives, right? I've written a book. She is an author, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> an amazing, 
woman, <laughs> right? And she gave me an hour of her time. She poured into me. She gave me resources. She told me about things I've never even heard of. And at the end of it, I said, now, how can I be of service to you? And it took her breath away. Like she literally gasped and was just like, wow, like, okay. And she said, you know what? I just need you to keep writing because it's so hard for black women out here. And you've reached the level that many can't reach. You've opened a door that many want to try to walk in. She said, young sister, keep writing. That's reciprocal. She didn't give me, she didn't ask me for an hour of my time. So it wasn't equal. Right. She asked me to keep writing so that her fight gets easier. That's reciprocal. And when we recognize it as that, then we can be present in every, every, every area because we're not so consumed with, okay, I got to get to something next. What am I going to get next? What am I going to do next? Because we can understand that in this very moment, we're going to get everything mm. we need. I wish I could take notes and listen, but I'm I'm not going to multitask. The good thing is it's your podcast, so we can listen to this over and over. <laughs> yeah, get my own downloads and plays up. You know what I mean? Just <laughs> listen to it over and over again. That's so good. Well, while we were kind of talking about work, that's another pillar for us at Redefining Wealth. And I love the section in your book about working versus maximizing. And there's this section I just have to read because it really like made me want to get my life together. Like, it's just that everything in this book is like a constant reminder, like, okay, Trees, get your life together, get your life together. No. <laughs> but I love the fact that you have so many practical things um, in the book and things that we can just look at and really take and implement. That's the type of person I am. I want to learn it and then just go put it into practice. I'm not big on just learning it to know it. I did not want theory. I've read so <laughs> many books that are just theory or at the end of it, I'm like, all you did was tell me the problem. Like I knew the problem. That's why I bought your right. book. Like I wanted <laughs> answers. Well, this one was really good for me when, like I said, in the working versus maximizing. And here's the quote, work is labor. That's all it is. It has value only to the extent that it accomplishes something you truly desire. And many of us as high achievers operate under some version of the Puritan work ethic. That is, we believe that work has value in and of itself. So therefore, if we do a lot of it, we must be valuable. So we take on lots and lots of work and we keep ourselves very busy, but not necessarily as productive as we could. We exhaust ourselves because we confuse work with value. And at the end of a tiring work week, we look back and say, well, at least I did that. We, not, we may not be any closer to our dreams, but we sure did work. And you say work drains you, but maximizing elevates and energizes you. Can you break that down? Yes. Oh, my God. I'm from the Midwest. I'm from that family. My father was like, you know, work hard, work hard, and great things will happen. And so I lived in that mindset. And one day I was working at LaFace Records and I had my head down and I'm, I'm working, I'm focused, I got stuff to do. And my boss at the time, L.A. Reed, was standing in the door and he had been standing there for a while before I even realized it, right? And when I finally looked up, and he said, wow, he's like, Sherry, you are a marketing superstar. Like you're a rock star. Like you are a marketing genius. Like you have created plans and strategies 
that have sold millions of albums for my artists. He said, but the problem is your head is always down and you're always working and opportunities are going to pass you right on by because you're always working. And he walked away. And I was a little perturbed because I'm like, look, dude, I got stuff to do. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm like, right? like aren't you paying me to work? Like, what are you talking about? And it took me 10 years, mm. 10 years before I fully understood what he was talking about. And fast forward 10 years, I was literally on a plane. I'd been up for five days. I it was a volunteer every year for Alonzo Morning and Tracy Morning. I would come in and I'd volunteer for his Zoe Summer Groove. And I was responsible for all the, the comedians and all of the athletes. And I would help out, no sleep, running around. And I was on this plane flying home and I had so much energy. I mean, I was absolutely exhausted, but I was so energized. And I realized in that moment, that's what working and maximizing, what that really meant. Because in that moment, as hard as I had worked, as much as I had done, I was so energized because what I'd really done is I just maximized my time maximize my resources, maximize my relationships. Everything about that weekend was about me coming in and just maximizing opportunities. Whereas everything else was just work, 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 get it done, get it done, get it done. And I realized I was the norm, right? That so many of us was just working, but we weren't productive. And so now it's all about really looking at the opportunities. You won't have as much FOMO, fear of missing out, when you're in the place of maximizing versus in the place of working, because you will really be able to assess what's most important, what's going to move you forward. And the thing that I've realized is if I'm really transparent and honest, work can take 100 steps. Maximizing can take two steps. And you end up at the same spot. Hello? Come on, Sherry. Right? <laughs> literally, I, literally, I have been able to accomplish things with a fourth of the time when I'm yes. in that place of fully maximizing than when I'm just like busy work, busy work, busy work, busy work, just to fill my time. And what I found, Patrice, is many of us are so afraid of actually reaching our goals that we'd mm. rather be busy working than really, really, really reach our goals by just maximizing opportunities. Ugh. Okay, again, I might have to keep downloading keep downloading my own podcast because this that is such a great point. I mean, I was just at a point today. You know, I always tell you whenever we talk, it's like perfect timing every time. Or even for myself, I'll just have a transparent moment here. Even for myself, I'm really looking at all the things that I currently do in my business. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just scale back and do the things that, in your words, I would be maximizing, right? Like really doing the things that give me energy, like this podcast. Like I freaking love this podcast. And just based on the reviews and the feedback that I've been getting, so does my audience. Like if you love it and I love it, why waste time doing other things that feel like work? 
just to say that I'm still doing this or still doing that. When I can put all of my effort into this and truly make this the best possible podcast that I can, you know? And I'm like, you know what? Look at each area. And so I know very confidently that January 2018, there are going to be some things moving around here because I don't want to work to work. I don't want to work just to check things off the list. I truly want to do the things that give me the most energy possible because, you know, it's not easy out here. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, my God. Let, let me tell you, I was having an amazing conversation with someone a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, they were just kind of asking me, I, I really respect their opinion. And they were asking me kind of what my strategy is, what you're doing, what you're working on, how's it going? And I said to them, you know, I am only looking to secure two to four speaking engagements a month. And they were just like, what? Like, you know, it just, they were like, but you could do way more than that. Like they were looking at me like I was crazy. And I said, you know, well, I want to be home. Like for me, I want to be home with Dominique. I want to be home with my husband. Like he wants me to cook dinner sometimes. And I love volunteering at my daughter's school. And so I was like, that's enough. And they were like, but you could do so much more. And I was like, well, let me let me share the whole strategy. I said, the reality is, is I've really focused in on what I love to do that I'm really good at, that I'm able to maximize. And because of that, I'm able to make in four speaking engagements what I was running around every day trying to make on, you know, a a spot here, a spot there. So I've put the time into creating more so that I could do less. That's it. And what I realized, though, in that moment is you have to really filter other people's opinions when they don't know your vision. Ooh. Right? Filter other people's opinions when When they they don't know know your vision. That's right. So for me, I'm maximizing because what I can make in four speaking engagements with the things that I love and be home with my family, that's what mattered to me. That's maximizing versus running all over the country every other day trying to speak everywhere at all times for, for a smaller amount because I haven't focused in on where I can really leverage, leverage and maximize. So when we really maximize, oh my God, we do more with less. I love it. That's exactly what I was sharing in the video. That was the first video I launched for Redefining Wealth. And when I took a step back, that's what I said. I was able to actually make more money. Yes. <laughs> Like I was making more money and traveling a third of the time that I was traveling before. And now that I'm based on the West Coast, you know, you it's going to cost a penny to get me to come to the East Coast. That's a it's a long flight and it's more time that I'm away from my family. And if I can create opportunities to make the same thing virtually or here locally, and that fits in line with the bigger vision that I have for my life, if that's how I define wealth for me. I'm I'm trying to say what you mad at. <laughs> yeah. And the key word is for you, right? The key word is for you. Yeah. And the person that I mean, I respect their opinion, but they're not married. They don't have children. And so their lens was, girl, go get all you can get while you can get it. 
And that for them makes sense because they're single, they have no children. Whereas for me, I'm married, I have children. So it's a different reality. So that again, you have to filter their opinion through your reality, through your truth. And when I gave them that back, they was like, oh my God, you're right. Like, I don't have children. I don't, I can go and do what I want to do when I want to do it. And so a lot of times we can get so caught up in what other people are doing, which makes us just work, 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 because we don't have the confidence enough to go, that works for them, but not what works for me. (laughs) And that's okay. And we've had this conversation before, and I've shared this with my audience before, the, the shiny monkey syndrome, right? Like there are so many different ways that people are making money out here, whether it's speaking or writing or Facebook ads or blogging or podcasting or this or that or whatever. And so if you're not careful, you will look around and allow comparison to steal your joy. You will look around and go, oh my gosh, I should totally be doing that. And next thing you know, you're chasing down that path or, oh no, this is where it's at. This is the hot thing. Now I need to go over here. And that's for me a part of like chasing money, right? Because you're only going after what it is you think is going to make the money. But what if it's not in alignment with who you are, with your values, with the lifestyle you want to lead? If those things are not in alignment with that, you can do just as well focusing in on what aligns with your truth and your purpose instead of scattering your efforts, running around trying to do everything that everyone else is doing. And when I got that down a couple years ago, Sherry, talk about setting me free. Like people have been on me about creating a podcast for years. And I kind of liked the idea, but it just didn't fit into my lifestyle yet because I was on the road so much. I just couldn't put in my head, well, when was I going to get time to record my radio and do a podcast and do this and do that? But now that I've switched and gotten off the road as much and I do more things virtually, it was perfect. And so sometimes it's not even a no, that's not for you. It might mean just not right now because it's not in alignment yet with the lifestyle that you have carved out for yourself. And I think that's so important too. Oh, that is so key. That is so key. That timing is so key because there's so many things right now that eventually I will do, but the timing is not now. And I'm okay with that because again, if I'm out of alignment, I'm just going to be working, working. It's going to be harder. It's going to be more resistance. It's not going to flow as simple because it's not the right time. So what you just said is so key. Oh my God. And just look at the response you're getting with the podcast now, because also before you launched, you had revamped everything and you had grown the brand to redefining wealth to where the message is so much more richer and broader and full that it just, I mean, the podcast is just full now where before you would have been scrambling. Okay. I got to talk about money again today. Okay. I'm going to talk about a budget that I don't even want to talk about a budget because this ain't about a budget, but I'm going to talk about a budget, but it ain't even what I'm supposed to talk because I don't want to talk about a budget, right? Where now, girl, you have so expanded this message of what wealth has always been to you because it's always been about the wisdom. So now the message is so rich for podcasts. And so the timing is just everything. I love it. I know. I'm like, I can't tell you what joy doing this podcast brings me. Like, I truly love it. I mean, on a, in a way that, Sherry, I didn't even know I was going to. 
I really didn't. And so when I think about how much joy this brings to what I'm doing, I don't wish that I've done it sooner because like you said, I didn't change or pivot and really expand the conversation with the audience as much as I wanted to before. You know, I always tell you, I felt like I was in that money box and people just wanted me to give them good sound bites on budgets and credit and stuff. And I, I still like that stuff, but there was so much more to me than this. This stuff that we're talking about is the stuff that Sherry and I have always talked about. Yes. Like the concepts of redefining wealth were not something I just kind of thought of earlier this year in order to change my website or something like this is the truth of the stuff that I've been working on or the things that I've been thinking and the concepts I've been putting into practice. And so to your point, I had to even catch up, right? Like I didn't have the mental capacity three years ago to really walk in this the way that I do now. I just didn't because even back then I was too concerned with what other people might think. And I don't even mean my peers. I mean the people who were hiring me. (laughs) Right, right. I was like, you know, these producers want me to come in and talk about this very specifically. And I don't want to, you know, mess up my money. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? That's the truth of where Chase Purpose Not Money came from. Because it ended up being like this. No, I have to go after my purpose. I have to go after what really feels good in my spirit and my soul. Like what's in alignment with who I am authentically, like all of me and not just 10% of who I am, which is the budgets and credits and all the, you know, all that stuff, like a hundred percent, which is what all these pillars are about. So girl, you know, we can talk forever, but I have to have you tell us this story. Cause I think it speaks so well to again, like this whole, the purpose and the money thing. And you have a chapter called happy is a choice. Joy is a lifestyle. And you break down the difference between reality and truth. And there's one particular story that you have to tell. It was about when you went to lunch at this exclusive club with Mark Cole, and he's the CEO of the John Maxwell Companies. You had like this awakening kind of thing about your truth versus your reality. Can you just share what that means and like through the story? Because this really, such a great moment in the book. Oh my gosh, that was such a pivotal moment for me. There was a season in my life that literally everything fell apart. I mean, it was just, it was so crucial. I mean, I know on the other side of it, you know, what God was doing and why God took me through that season. Um, But it was just a devastating season in my life. And really him getting my attention that I needed to move into the next phase of what he had for me. And uh, so at that time, we was in a, my family was in a very tough financial place. And I had a meeting with Mark Cole, who is the CEO of all five of John Maxwell's companies. John Maxwell is the number one leadership guru in the world. He has written 120 plus books. He sold over 40 million books and his impact is around the world. He's taught in every country, every nation in the world. And so here's Mark Cole that I'm having lunch with. He's a good friend. He's actually featured in Exponential Living. We're in this exclusive social club for lunch. We're leaving lunch and he's walking to his car and I'm walking to mine. And when he backs out, I see that the sign, the parking sign says reserve for the chairman of, and it was the name of the club we was at. And I'm like, oh my God, like I know Mark personally. So, 
to, to see this moment of he's actually the chairman of this club. Right. And so he backs out and I'm walking to my car and my reality is I have six dollars and thirty five cents in my account and I drive home and I ask my mom to, to take my change jar because I don't spend change. I would always put it in this jar at the end of the year. I'd wrap it up and I would put that in savings and that would always be what I would do. And so this was in the summer and I come home and I asked my mom, would she wrap up the change in order for me to pay for my daughter's summer camp for that week? And she wraps up $200 and that's what we use to pay for summer camp for that particular week. But in that moment, I realized that my reality was I was in a very broke and broken place. I was in a what I called broken, broken at that time, which I realized was God replanting me. And I, I say in my book something you say when he has to, you know, you have to take a, a step back just so you can leap yeah. forward. And I quoted you on that. Thank you for the shout out. Yes, I, I quoted <laughs> you on that because that was so profound. But I realized my reality was I had $6.35 in my bank account. But my truth was I just had lunch with one of the most powerful men in the field that I work in, who was the chairman. I know God let me see that sign. As many times as Mark and I have had lunch, I've never noticed that sign. I know God let me see that sign in that moment. Here's the chairman of where we just ate. He's one of the most powerful men in the industry I work in. He has impact and influence in all nations around the world. And he's my friend. And we had a business meeting where he wanted to ask me, like, this was a, I need to sit down with you, Sherry. That was my truth. And I realized that so many of us get caught in our reality and miss out on our truth. Because in that moment, if I had allowed myself to get down about my reality, $6.35 in my account, I would have missed the impact of my truth, which was I was a powerful woman. I was a innovative thinker. I, was a, I have a creative mind. I was in a process and a journey that was cultivating a deeper understanding so that I could live in this place and space that I was writing about. Because how can I speak to people that are broken if I hadn't endured brokenness? And how could I speak to multimillionaires and tell them peace is more important than any money you can ever make if I had never experienced peace at a place where money didn't matter? And so the message was being cultivated. That was my reality, my truth. My reality was I had $6.35. And what I want people to walk away with, with that story, because my a lot of people have told me, I can't believe you told that. Like, you're like, how could you be that transparent? Right. You you told even even my editor was like, do you really want to tell this story? Like, do you want to put the amount? Like, can you just say you didn't have, you know, I was like, no, it's very important because that's the reality. But that yeah. was not my truth. Mm. You did not let the reality define you. And guess what? To your point of redefining wealth, my reality was at $6.35. My truth was I was wealthy. I had a family at home. I had 
means that I could continue to make money. The recovery time was right after that financially. You know what I'm saying? So the reality is I was wealthy with what mattered. Money comes and goes. And how many of us have made a permanent decision because of our temporary circumstances only dictated by what we had financially? Girl, that's that's big. That's big. I know I was there. I know that when I was at my, what I believe to to date, lowest point, kind of scraping up change, that was the thing that I had to shake out of. I didn't know how to call it that, Sherry. I didn't know how to look at it as truth versus reality. But I did know at one point I said, you know what? God keeps giving me this vision about helping people with their finances. And today, right now, I'm broke. So I'm trying to understand (laughs) how I'm supposed to walk in that. And that's when, you know, again, those still small voices that we have, it said, you lost your money. Your mind isn't bad. You did it before. And some people have never done it or gotten anything close to it. So you definitely have some wisdom to share. You're getting caught up in where you are today. That's first of all, you've been to other places. And second of all, you're not even here to stay. So you need to start to walk into that. And, and remember that about yourself. This is a season. Yes, that story has hit so many hearts and has brought so many people to me and has been the reason many people have told me that, that they received the book. Like people have come to me and said, oh my God, my friend gave me the book and you shared a story about your truth and your reality and you didn't have any money. And so many people have told me that story is what has allowed them to really either share the book, receive the book, hear the message, you know, oh God, you said some great things. But when you said this, and that was that transparent moment that I owned because I realized this was not my truth. This was just my reality. And the reality changed. My truth is who I am. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I can talk to you all day, um, but I want to go into our next section, which is the redefining wealth, rapid wisdom questions. I'm going to ask you four questions and just tell us whatever comes to mind. And I know this is going to be super easy for you. (laughs) The first one is, how do you define success? Peace. Peace for me is the new success. I already know. How do you define wealth in three words or less? Peace, love, and the word of God. Mm. I'm going to let you get away with that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That was five. But I'm going to let you get away with that. Okay. What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? The Bible. Again, I grew up Midwestern and I grew up with this whole mindset of money, money, money. You got to work hard to make money. You got to work hard to make money. And just like you, the Bible has been my greatest tool on what to do with money, how to generate money how to have wisdom with money, how to serve with money, um, how you multiply money. And even with great books like yours and great books like David Bach and Susie Orman and all of them great minds in money, the root for me always goes back to the Bible. And then I just learn how to use that through the tools and resources that we have here on earth. But the Bible has been my greatest tool on how to truly define wealth and how to manage money. I love that. Okay, fill in the blank. My name is, and for me, the truth about wealth is. My name is, 
Sherry Riley, and the truth about wealth for me is that wealth and money are different. Money comes and goes. Wealth is what truly sustains me. Woo! Come on, girl. You know that's my friend. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. And I love you. Thank you so much for blessing us on the Refining Wealth podcast. I know just like the call we did back in the day, which was only 10 months ago, but they're still downloading every day. Uh, that people are going to be so blessed by you, by Exponential Living. And I'm just so glad that I get to call you my real life girlfriend. And I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy for you. But I miss you, not in Atlanta. I miss (laughs) miss you, but I'm going to have to come to L.A. And it's so mutual. I just, I truly, truly love you. And thank you for coming in and surprising me for my birthday party. That meant the world to me. I had so much fun. I had so much fun and I would do it again, but you only turned 51, so. What? Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right, girl. Love you. Love you. Didn't I tell you that would be good? I just love me some Sherry Riley. Make sure you check out patricewashington.com so that you can see the show notes, some great tweetables, takeaways. There is a link there to her book, Exponential Living. And just check out the new site, patricewashington.com. Would love to get your comments, your reviews on the podcast. Would love your five-star review. No pressure, no pressure, but it does help. (laughs) And make sure you connect with me everywhere in social media. I'm at at Seek Wisdom PCW. Tell me how you're enjoying the podcast, what you want to hear, what types of stuff you like. I have a library full of things that I'm so committed to discussing with you because remember, I'm here to help you live your life's purpose, find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money. So until next time. I'll see you later. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.